we have been going through this series called Unraveled. And a lot of things have unraveled for us in the past month and a half, which really doesn't sound as long as it really feels like. <clears throat> we have had to figure out a lot of different things. So I swear every day uh, there's something else that comes up and, and I didn't even realize that we were going to have to move and change things and, and I just didn't even think about it. Uh, like one thing is Vacation Bible School. You know, we do that every summer and it's such a joy and we do such great outreach. And we're like, how are we going to do that this year? And so, you know, you, you take that and, and the new problem and, and you say, all right, well, let's be creative and what can we do? And, and we're finding out new ways to do VBS. And it's like that in our lives. There's constantly things that are coming and, and changing. And, and you see that everywhere around us. There's this like unraveling. Take this one, all right? I know that you don't care about this one, but I do. This Derek Jeter is going into the Hall of Fame. And he was supposed to, he got voted in and he was supposed to go in this summer and uh, they're not even going to do that this year. They have to move it to the next year. I didn't even think about that. It's just a constant unraveling that we keep going through. And God is still in the midst of this unraveling and the changing of things and, and everybody having to think on their feet and do things. God is doing amazing things. God is still working and, and, and making good out of, of bad and tough situations. God is so amazing in how he is just molding and changing and doing awesome things. We see it every day. And in this series on Unraveled, we have talked so far about how God brings joy in the midst of this unraveling. Uh, what God does with uncertainty. We talked about that last week. And today, we're going to talk about what happens with grief and how grief can actually turn into an action. Uh, we're going to do that by a, a character, a biblical character that you may not have ever even heard of. Her name is Rizpah. She plays a tiny role in the Old Testament in, in the book of 2 Samuel. Uh, Rizpah is, is a lowly concubine of, of Saul. She has no power at all. Her sons were handed over to the Gibeonites. Uh, it's a rival nation of Israel. Um, and, and basically, it was, they were given over as a sacrifice for all the bad things that were done to them by Saul. Um, so Rizpah's sons were sacrificed, but basically they were murdered on a mountaintop. And... This is what Rizpah did in her grief. So our passage today is 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 10 through 14. Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest till the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies, she did not let the birds of the air touch them by day, or the wild animals by night. When David was told what Ai's daughter Rizpah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went and took the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from the citizens of Jabesh-Gilead. 
They had taken them secretly from the public square at Beth Shan, where the Philistines had hung them after they struck Saul down on Gilboa. David brought the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from there, and the bones of those who had been killed and were exposed were gathered up. They buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the tomb of Saul's father Kish at Zela in Benjamin and did everything the king commanded. After that, God answered prayer in behalf of the land. <clears throat> I remember as a youth pastor countless times where I would bring the kids on a trip or, or have some kind of event and I would make a rule. And the rule sounded like a good rule at the time. And then I remember sometimes some, the kids would find the rule unfair. And they were very good about thinking about these things. And, and sometimes they would, they would come together and they would voice their opinion saying, your rule is unfair. And they would make a little bit of a big deal about it. And sometimes... It was kind of annoying, but most times I really liked it. What they were doing was they were, they were taking something that they agreed that was unfair, and sometimes it was. Sometimes there were things that they thought of that I never even thought of, and when they came together and kind of protested to me, that I would change the rule. Sometimes... It, I didn't because their safety was more important. But there were times when they kind of protested and it got me to change a rule because they were right. It was unfair. And I liked that. Rizpah took burlap. She laid it out and she sat with the bodies of these men sons from the beginning of the harvest until the heavy rains came so you're looking at eight to nine months that Rizpah sat with these bodies on the mountain she made no, sure that no animals or birds got to the bodies what Rizpah did was she grieved in public Burlap was known as, as something you grieve with. She experienced an injustice that happened to her family, and she was not willing to let it go. She took her mourning, her grieving, and turned it into an action. Even though she had little power at all, she was able to turn her grieving and make it public, and turn it into an action. I've been reading a biography about Fred Rogers. Scratch that. I have actually been listening to an audiobook biography about Fred Rogers. Um, one of the things that I didn't know about Fred Rogers is that he came from an extremely affluent family that they were the richest family in their town of Latrobe that he grew up in. As an adult, he never acted like he did have any money, and, and that was on purpose. He was actually, in growing up and as an adult, he was actually kind of embarrassed by it. As a teenager, 
uh, his parents gave him a really nice car. And he actually hid the car from people. Uh, so if he was going to an event at school or something, he would park his car down the street and then walk to the event. He didn't want people to know that he had money. Even when he was in college, he didn't want people to know that. Um, when he was big and, and famous, there's a story of, of him getting picked up for an event for all the executives. And a limo driver came to pick him up. And Fred refused to sit in the back. He sat in the front next to the limo driver and then invited the limo driver into the, the big executive party to have a meal. And they did not like this, the executives, but he didn't care. He then went home with the limo driver and sang songs with his family. Fred Rogers was able to realize the power that he had as a white male who came from a wealthy family, and he used that to care for people who had no power. He used an African-American male to play a police officer in the 60s on his show. And he used an African-American woman as the mayor in the neighborhood on the show, showing that these people can have power too. Um, countless stories of caring and showing love for all sorts of people. Early in his, in his career, an executive tried to fire him, but Fred made such low money that, that it would be so difficult to even replace him because he refused to really take any money because PBS was just starting up at the time and they had no money to pay him. Fred Rogers had an empathy, uh, which is the ability to feel what others are feeling. And he did that with the people that were watching his show. He was able to see the people that were on the outskirts of society and speak to them in the show. Children who may have come from families that are a single parent or, or, or families that are, uh, have very little. And he spoke to them because that's what empathy is all about. Because of Rizpah's actions of public mourning, David was able to see the injustice that had been done. He went and gave the men a proper burial, one that they deserved. Rizpah's mourning turned into action being done. So how could this connect with us right now? Together, there's a collective grief going on around us. People are grieving being out of work. Some people are grieving because they have lost someone to this sickness, or, or maybe they know someone who has lost somebody, or maybe they know someone who is sick, and they're grieving for that. Some people are grieving because they have someone who is very vulnerable in their family, and they are scared that they could get sick. Some people have 
a terrible anxiety over getting sick or, or, or having someone in their family who's vulnerable that could possibly get sick. And then there's some students uh, that, and their families that are grieving because they're seniors. And this is their senior year. And they, their senior sports are canceled. And, and their, their prom and their graduation is canceled. And there's a grieving going on there. And, and there's people on both sides of these arguments right now. Some people who care about this but don't care about this, and some people who care about this and don't care about this. Some people that will downplay this over here, but say that this is really important, and vice versa. We're seeing that. And people are turning this, what was once a really like peaceful, we came together, and this is turning into kind of a political split right now. And we just draw a line and we sit on our side. However, what is needed during this time is empathy. The ability to understand that someone is hurting and grieving in their own way over something specific. And an ability to understand what they are dealing with. Both sides, or whatever side and whatever thing that you are worried about, or someone is worried about, all of those sides, there's someone hurting on that side. All of these sides have purpose. There's a song in, in one of the, the shows that our children watch, and we watch it with them too, it's Daniel the Tiger, and it says sometimes you can have two feelings at the same time. You can mourn about two things. You can mourn about loss of job and also worried about people getting sick as well. You can have two feelings at the same time. You could be both happy and sad. As adults, we can have two feelings, or even more than that, at the same time. David was not able to see that the deaths of those men were an injustice until Rizpah spoke up about it. A change didn't happen until he had empathy for Rizpah. He realized that the actions that were taken actually hurt someone, and they weren't right. So David did something about that. But it wasn't until Rizpah, she just protested by sitting with the men. You and I are called to live with empathy. Jesus calls us to care for those on the outskirts of society, those that don't have all the privileges that we may have. I said this in my devotional this week, but I have fielded a whole bunch of questions about what we're currently dealing with. And a lot of people ask this to me all the time, but it's kind of heightened during this. And, and people love to ask pastors this question, but people have been asking me, is this the end times? And I get why they ask that, because we've never dealt with anything like this before. This is so, like, 
crazy and it seems so out there and, and all the fear that we have and all the things that have been going on we have never dealt with anything like this so i understand why people ask me this because there's all sorts of things people throw out these statements and they try to take some scripture and they put it here and say hey, it's got to be the end times look at this what this says and i get it there's a lot of emotions swirling around but I've been thinking about this a lot. And um, one thing, Jesus said, listen, uh, you will not know the day or the hour. Um, but the other thing is, pandemics are new to us. So I get why we're saying this. But if you think of people in other countries with, with no health care whatsoever, uh, and they have epidemics every year. So the feelings that you and I have right now, that's a feeling that they've lived with their whole life. And so once we get a vaccine, this will all be kind of over. We won't think about this anymore. Now, whoever knows how long that is, but once we get the vaccine, we're done with it. Now, there's people in other countries that, that, that will never see that vaccine and still aren't seeing vaccines that were produced in the 50s and the 60s. And so they live with these epidemics all the time. But it's interesting that they've been dealing with it all the time, but you and I have never asked the question, is it the end times at that time? And that's where that whole empathy thing comes in. Having the ability to think about someone else in a different situation and their feelings. And so the whole thing with the end times, it only came into question when we were dealing with it. But other people have been dealing with it for a long time. How can we look around at our nation and our world and see the grieving that is going on that's not a grief of our own. It, even if it's not something we're thinking about or something we're dealing with, and, and then walk alongside them and move to action with them. Could we help and offer up food to, to a neighbor that is in need of food or, or is out of work? Can we be a listening ear to someone who is hurting, even though we may not agree with their stance on something? Can our current grief, which will end, be a call to help those who have this feeling all the time, maybe in another country? Or instead of saying, hey kid, there's bigger things in life, there's people that are dying and uh, your senior year, I get it, it's sad, but it's really not that important. Could we maybe think about that in a different way that that 18-year-old or 17-year-old really hasn't had uh, experiences in life that are as big and as, as far away from the timeline as you have, and that that's a really big thing for them? And have some empathy saying, yeah, I can see how that would be sad and how they would grieve. Even if we don't agree or understand, 
what someone is going through? Can we do something in our own power to help someone who has no power at all? You see, grieving leads to action. And if we grieve alongside someone, even though we may not agree with their side or their stance, if we grieve alongside them, sometimes an action can be done and people be brought together in a different way that we never thought could be. If we grieve alongside, an action will happen. What's your grief? And maybe you can look at the grief of someone you don't agree with and have some empathy for them. And how can you move to action that may bring you a little bit closer together?